So before we take a moment to read from God's Word, we're going to pray that God might bless His Word to us tonight. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we look to Your Word tonight, that it may be a blessing to us to do that. Uh, we're grateful for Your Spirit's work in the lives of Your people. Uh, you take Your Word, inspired by Your Spirit, uh, and use it uh, to transform people, to confirm people in the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So may our time in your word bring to us, as it did to Abraham long ago, a sense of courage and encouragement to press on. Uh, and may the gospel be a joyful sound to us that way tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be taking a look at Genesis 15, and we're going to read the 21 verses there, and we're in Genesis because we've been looking at the events of Abram, uh, later on Abraham, uh, that we find in some of these earlier portions of Genesis, we're up to the 15th chapter, and uh, we're reading from uh, Genesis chapter 15 that way, we'll look at all 21 verses. Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, uh, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your, your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven, or look toward heaven, and number the stars, if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall, it, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. When birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for yourself... You shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in, a fourth gen in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of, of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, 
the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So we thank the Lord for his word tonight. We pray that this portion of God's word would indeed be a blessing to us. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, imagine that you're driving down a road, and uh, that can certainly, that's not an uncommon occurrence, but you're traveling somewhere, uh, and maybe on a holiday or a vacation, and, and it's a road that you've never been on before. And as you're going down that road, you see a sign that says a certain city is about to show up. You're nearing it. But perhaps you're going uphill and, and that city isn't in sight at all. And it's only when you go a little bit farther and you get to the crest of that hill that you realize, well, sure enough, just like the sign said, the city is there. There it is below me. But even if you've never been down that road before and you've never seen that city before, you believe what the sign says even before you ever see the city. That's not uncommon. And in a sense, that's what Abram was facing here in Genesis 15. He had no heir of his own. And he had no land of his own possession. But God promised both of them. He gave his word and he gave his signs so that Abraham had every reason to trust in the promises of God. Tonight we're going to be taking a look at how Abram is confirmed in the promises of God. And as we see that, we pray that we too will see that things haven't changed much in the way that God confirms his promises to us in Jesus Christ. So we look first of all at, at the promised heir. You can really divide this passage, passage into two episodes that are traveling down parallel tracks. In both portions, what you have is the Lord speaking, Abraham asking questions, and then the Lord confirming what he promised with signs. In the first portion, the Lord speaks about being Abraham's shield and the one who would reward him and tells him, don't be afraid. And that sounds nice to Abram, but he looks around and says, in essence, that what is promised is not what is in sync with what he sees. It's not in sync with the reality, evidently. Now, Abram knew wealth, but what he didn't know was the heir that was promised before. And in essence, Abram is, is asking, you know, well, what good does all that he has matter unless the heir of the promise arrives? What reward has he truly known? Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continued childless, 
And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. You've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Now that speaks to us. Now that's not merely about the blessing of children, but it speaks to us about what life is for us without the heir of the promise. What have you given me when I don't have the heir of the promise? It, it speaks to us about what life is for us without the heir of the promise, Jesus Christ. You can be involved in all kinds of things, or your children can be involved in all kinds of things. And we can have this pride for them and what they do, where they live, how successful they might be. But what does it really matter unless you've come to know the one who enables you to know the defense and the reward of God for time and eternity? To know him as your shield and to know even greater rewards than the temporary rewards of this life. Nothing means anything without having received the heir of the promise that Jesus Christ ultimately is. In any case, Abram looks at his situation as the exact opposite of what's promised to him. That's what it looks like to him. He may be promised something, but he doesn't have it yet. And that create, creates a tension between what is promised and the reality. What is promised and what's been received. And you're left with the impression that there's nothing that Abraham can do about it. I, I can't change the situation. This is the way it is. The only way that it can happen is by the mercy and power of God because it won't happen by or because of me. And in his mercy, God gives his word of mercy. He will see to it that what Abraham cannot do, he will do. But he not only gives his word, we see in our passage that he sends Abraham out into the darkness to see the many stars in the heavens. And like Noah before him who could look in the sky and see the bow in the clouds, Abraham could look to the heavens and be reminded and assured in faith that God's promise to him and to his descendants would be carried out. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said, So shall your offspring be. After all, who made the heavens? The heavens declare the glory of God when you see them. 
when you see the stars, when you see the heavens. Not only is the creator who brings life from nothing, but also is the one who will bring life from the dead, which is the situation in which Abraham seems to be in. According to his covenant promises to Abraham, life which would come one day and be seen in the child born according to the promise. God gives Abraham his word and his sign. And in doing that, what he does is he confirms his promises to Abraham. He gives him courage. He gives him peace. So that while Abraham has not yet received what is promised, he believes in the mercy and the power of God according to the covenant promise. God promised Abraham to be a blessing out of grace. Not because of who Abraham was or what he did, not because he was a Jew or a Hebrew, or because of what he could do. Because Abraham is viewed here as powerless in the situation, but Abraham believed in the promise. And because his trust was focused on the mercy and the power of God, on who God was and what he could do, God declared him righteous before him. Abraham was justified through faith alone in the promises of God alone. God who would provide the promised heir. And God still acts that way with us. Even when our situations seem to speak contrary to his promises. He calls us to courage. And he continues to tell us, fear not. He reminds us who are Christians by his word for the sake of Jesus Christ, the ultimate promised heir, you are heirs with Christ. You're my children. And he says to you, for the sake of Christ, he who made the heavens and the earth out of nothing will give you life from your deadness and sins and transgression and raise you to resurrected life someday. When you're in Christ, through faith alone, trusting these promises of God, you too are justified by God, you're right with God, and you may know then and live in the mercy of God and be of good courage. And you too are part of that multitude that cannot be counted, that belong to the spiritual family of Abraham. You too, when you're such a follower, believer in Christ, are a testament to the power and mercy of God at work in the world, to be sure, but also at work in your life. And like Abraham, the father of faith, your good standing with God isn't by works, and it has nothing to do whether, with whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. It, it, it has only to do with the mercy of God and the righteousness of His Son the true promised heir. 
God says to His people that way tonight as He said to Abraham long ago, I will be a blessing and I will be a shield to you as well. You have my word on it. And while that's enough, I give you signs also. I give baptism, I give the communion supper, and what do they do? They confirm to you the promises that are yours in Christ Jesus, the promised heir. Those are just the kind of signs and seals that we need whenever we doubt that relationship or look at our situation and we feel the tension between the promise and the reality. Well, we see this uh, confirmation in the topic of the promised heir then, which is in the first half of the passage. But we also see it in the promised inheritance which we find in the last part of the passage. And you have the same setup as that first scenario, that first scene. God promises, Abraham questions, but then is confirmed. And the promise sounds a great deal like when the nation, uh, the nation of Israel uh, would hear from the Lord also. In verse 7, I am the Lord who brought you, and you think to yourself, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, right? But here it's, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to possess. You were brought out of Ur to possess the land. But then... Abraham asks another question. How can he know that promise? Because, again, the situation is such that Abraham doesn't possess the land. Oh, Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Because he doesn't possess it now. And God goes about confirming his promise again. And again, in the darkness, we see the light of God's promise. And isn't that what we need? The light of God's promise in the darkness. God makes a covenant with Abram. And literally, as you know, people spoke about cutting a covenant. And that made sense, because when you look at this passage, that's exactly what's going on, isn't it? But people would, would, would cut animals in half, and, they, and, and, and that would symbolize the bond. The, the parties would walk through the blood of the animals then that were cut and say, look, I commit myself to this covenant to the point of shedding my blood. And that's what makes God's covenant with Abram so remarkable. How can you know that you will receive the inheritance that I promised? Well, what happens is God says, well, I'll be the one that walks through the blood to fulfill this covenant, to keep this promise. And like Adam, who by God's mercy was given a helper suitable, suitable for him after he was put in a, a sleep, so, so now this new Adam of sorts, part of a new humanity of grace, is placed under a deep sleep to see the one who would fulfill the covenant of grace for him. Abram couldn't do it. 
but God could. It would be God who would accomplish what needs to be accomplished so that Abraham and his descendants would receive the inheritance that's promised. That's what we see in the smoking fire pot and flaming torch that passes through these pieces. And there's only one picture that would show that covenant fulfillment better. Only one. And that is that the Son of God shed His blood on the cross of Calvary. That's the picture. That's the sign. That's the event that showed that God would be true to His word and He would provide an inheritance that neither perishes, spoils, or fades kept in heaven for his people. And there's the sign that confirms to the believer that the meek in Christ shall inherit the earth. And that even if one is poor in the things of the world, you get confirmed by passages like this that point us to Jesus that when your faith is in this covenant God in Christ, you are rich beyond compare in the ways of God. And it is that richness from God that matters. That confirmation comes to us whenever we partake of the Lord's Supper through faith. That's why we're called to it. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this for the confirmation of the promises of God in your life. It reminds us of that great event of God's covenant keeping at Calvary. It, it confirms the promises made to us. And we're to proclaim that, that death until Christ's return. And that proclaiming may take us to our death. It did for Abraham. Abraham didn't receive the promise right away or the fulfillment of it. He didn't receive his son right away. He didn't receive the land right away. And there were other things that had to happen. It didn't go according maybe to Abram's timetable, but it went by God's. There was first suffering. There was the need for God's patience to be thinned. As he says in our passage that the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. There would be the suffering of God's people for a number of generations. And there was that need for time to pass before God's justice would be meted out in fullness. There'd be waiting. But as with the unclean birds of prey that Abram drove away from the covenant carcasses, as with that thwarted unclean birds of prey, there was nothing that was going to defile the covenant that God makes with his people. And that's true today for us when we're Christians. Time is needed to pass for many things. 
it needs to pass so that God can prepare us for eternity. It needs to pass so that more people may come to salvation. It needs to pass so that God's justice will come to rightness. And, and that's comforting for us when in faith we live in the tension of that promised inheritance and the reality of things before you. That may not always be so nice. That you wouldn't wish on someone else. It may indeed be that we die before we see the promises come to ultimate fulfillment. But as with Abram, we can die in peace. A peace that only the God of covenant grace can give us in Jesus Christ. Abram had to wait. It's not just in our day and age where people have a hard time to wait. Abram had to wait. He had to wait for the promises to come to pass. To see the fullness of what God had promised. God gave the promise. But the fullness of that was yet to come. Abram had to wait. Christ says that he yearned to see the day of Christ come. We wait for Christ's second coming. We wait for better things. And sometimes when we're waiting, we know that there's a need for better things to come. And the communion supper, whenever we celebrate that, is one of the ways that, that we anticipate that coming and are consoled in it. Even while we're waiting. Because the supper is a waiting supper. It is partaken by those who, who are waiting on the Lord. And it proclaims Christ's death until we won't have to wait anymore. But in the meantime, we have to wait. We wait in God's patience. We wait with God's patience. And we wait in faith and with a call to obedience. But our waiting on the Lord is not going to be for nothing. It's not going to be in vain. Like Abram long ago, we have every reason to be of good courage, to be strong and take heart and wait on the Lord. Because He's our light and our salvation. To no one but those in Christ can it be better said, good things do come to those who wait. May God's word and his signs be of an encouragement to us as we receive them. That we're justified through, through faith in Christ, the promised heir, and then that waiting on the Lord for all that he has in store for us is worth the wait. As we're confirmed to know that God has great things waiting for us. When we wait for Him as heirs of God, 
and co-heirs with Christ. May God so bless us and his gospel word. May that fall upon our hearts with good courage as we face the tension between what God has promised and the realities that we face. Amen. Let's take a moment to respond in, in prayer. Father, we want to thank you again for the scriptures and that when we turn to them, we can find a relation there, a relationship. We, we see others who have gone the way before us. We see their fears. We see the tensions that they face, the trying times that, to which they must go, the times in which they've had to wait. But as in our time, you give your promised word and you confirm us in them. For Abram, long ago, it was to see your light in the darkness. It's to see your promises not only spoken to him, but, but also displayed to him so that he could press forward in your mercies and your grace, and, know, and to know that waiting for you and what you promised is always worth the wait. That was true then, it's true now, especially when we've known and been able to see how you have kept your promises to Abram long ago and you continue to keep your promises to us today. The tensions may still be there, those things that cause us fear and struggle, but we're glad you do not leave us without your word. And you don't leave us without confirmation that your word is true and, be, and can be counted upon so that we could see that as we wait on you in these days and we face the tensions and we face the reality, we don't face those without the promised word that things will get better and in the meantime, you're with us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for allowing us to be heirs of yours as your children, co-heirs with Christ. To know that good things come to those who wait. Glorious things are awaiting your people. May they give us peace in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to